know, what does the union really do for you? Well, we're trying to show you what we do, and we're right. doing it on a daily basis. And, and people don't realize, like, man, this guy is, you know, on a day-to-day -day operation. He's getting his stuff done. Hey, everyone. Gene Reed here, host of The Handbook, your guide to life, leadership, and health. That clip you just heard, that's John Yard. He's our guest, Delaware's FOP Lodge 5 president. I'll tell you what, we really kind of ran the gamut in topics for this episode. Told some stories in the beginning, learned about who John Yard is, where he came from, what he's doing as president, and specifically, you know, what the FOP is doing to tackle stress management in the law enforcement community. So I hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. And as always, if you learn something, share something. John Yard, we're live. Live as we can be. Um, you're the first guest. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Nobody else is ever going to be able to say that. <laughs> you might not be the best guest. Right. But... <laughs> yeah, at least I can always say I was the first. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I really do. No, this is, this is going to be fun. This is exciting. Good. Are you a coffee drinker? I am. I live and die by the coffee bean. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> I didn't start drinking coffee till eight months ago. Really? Yeah, I'm serious. I just never did. All the years on the job. And... Really? No. So what do you do to stay awake during nights? Oh, now I drink it. Oh no. oh, no, you know what? I don't drink it on midnights. Here, here's why I got started in coffee, because love working out, all that stuff. I used sure. to get involved in the pre-workouts, okay, and they're just laden with caffeine, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Hair starts to tingle. Yeah. I and so. I was like, you know what? This is probably not the best stuff to be putting in my body. So I just started <laughs> drinking coffee. It's got caffeine in it. So, And I, I don't know if I'm a coffee snob, but I only drink Black Rifle Coffee Company, Okay. It's pretty, you ever heard of them? Oh, absolutely. Got a five pound bag in my office. Oh, okay. It's pretty high end. I went, to, I don't know if it's high end or not, but it's good. It's good stuff. Here's, I'm going to tell you a story why I didn't get involved in drinking coffee. So, Maryland State Police Academy, right? Mm -hmm. Towards the end of that academy, when I was there, it's the same as any other academy, right? Like the last two months, you start doing room clearing, all the stuff with the SWAT guys because. Well, your mind's not rattled anymore. You're kind of actually picking up on some information, right? So we're sitting in the classroom one day. Well, we were getting ready for room clearing. And in comes Maryland State Police's SWAT commander. And I'm 20 years old, right? I was, I like the day before we graduated our academy, uh, I turned 21. Wow. It was either a couple days before, like the day, it was, it was something like that. So I'm very young. I was one of the youngest guys in the class. All right, so SWAT commander walks in, right? And he's exactly what I thought a SWAT commander would look like. He was like 50, right? Gray hair, just jacked out of his mind. Um, like the dude's obviously seen some stuff like throughout his years. And he's drinking coffee. But he's like savoring every sip, right? So he gives us, I'm not kidding. And I'm hanging on like every word this guy's saying. Like he, like... It, he was almost like a cartoon character the way he looked. You know what I mean? It's just muscular, command presence, the whole nine. And I'm even thinking in my head at the time, I remember, I was like, how are we the same thing? Like, how am I this 170-pound kid? And this is, you know, anyway. <laughs> so he gives us this, like, 45-minute speech. I'm not exaggerating. On coffee. Wow. And how 
it's he called it the beverage of the gods because it gave him like energy and all this crazy stuff right he really got into it really got into it you should know where your coffee comes from you should know the beans and how you make it and he went through this whole thing he's like listen this isn't something you just go to Dunkin' donuts or wawa you know you got to respect it and after that i was like i don't deserve coffee like i i can't live up to that He's talking about the process. That's process. The process. It's a whole process. Absolutely. I'm not to that level. No. That's a... I just met somebody who now roasts their own, and they order, I, I guess, the green... I guess it's the green coffee bean where you got to crack it and do all that. Yes. All that, all that process to get your coffee. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. And I was amazed at listening... Uh, at, and hearing how much it takes to get to that point, I'm going. It's an art form. Wow, I'll think I'll just take my coffee grounds and put it in my little Keurig and. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a Keurig. I have like a, it's called a Hamilton Bay. I don't know. It pours hot water that's over the it. grounds, yeah, and then that's, that's it. But I love it. I do love it. I really don't drink it on midnight. So, well, how long have you been FOP president now? Going on three years. Okay, three years, two and a half, three years. And you were you in TSU, um, traffic services unit before that, or were you on the road? Uh, no, I was in traffic unit. Yeah, uh, okay. Yep. Do you miss the road? Uh, I do because of the guys and girls. Yeah. Like I don't miss the 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 dealing with the people, um, but being next to you know your brothers and sisters on a call and handling it and dealing mm-hmm. with it. Yes, that's the part that uh, is obviously missed. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people say that, right? That when they retire, they go somewhere else. They don't miss something. They don't miss the job. It's the people. Yeah, it really is. It is. It's it's you're with these people every single day for you know eight, ten, eleven, and whatever many hours you work, uh, and you just build those relationships, and, and that's what gets you through some of the days where you're struggling. So, uh, yeah, that's I've always loved that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna tell you another. See if you missed this stuff. I was just full of stories. I get jealous of it. So, our squad, for whatever reason, we've been picking up all the holidays. So we worked Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's oh, Day. Oh man, yeah. So, New Year's Eve, right? I don't know if you remember working New Year's Eve back in the day, but it's usually oh yeah, exactly what it would sound like. Mm-hmm. It all started around like eleven o'clock. So our guys go to a stabbing, right? I call it a stabbing, but. It was two 65-year-old homeless guys who got into a fight. And wow. one wound up stabbing the other one with a butter knife. It was oh. just, they're, they're out of their minds, just right. intoxicated, right? So I, I show up to that one because I'm a supervisor. I'm like, I should probably get to this. It's <laughs> part of my job description. Yeah. yeah. So I show up. Uh, those two guys are just out of their mind, intoxicated. We're waiting on the ambulance to come. There's another guy there, and I'm just kind of like shooting the shit with him. And I've seen him before. Like, he's just a chronic alcoholic, but he was the most cool, calm, collected guy there. So him and I are just hanging out. Nice. You know, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> so some time goes by, right? And it's like just before midnight. Start hearing some fireworks. Going, and we're like just outside the city. I hear some fireworks going off. And then the unmistakable, like, oh, okay, well, that was gunshots. That definitely that, was that, not fireworks. <laughs> the ability to uh, distinguish. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So... Everything was 10-1 there at the scene. Like, everything was good to go. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave because I'd rather not have one of these rounds that are being fired off around us come down to hit me. <laughs> so we're all kind of joking. And, you know, I go and get my car. and I got the windows down. And it's just 
so then it hits midnight and I, there's so much go there's, I'm not kidding dude, fireworks, gunshots, the, and it's like, you know, small rounds for the gunshots. And then it's the unmistakable, like rifle rounds, just that crack oh, yeah. and the boom. I'm like, Oh my, are you kidding me, Who man? Like, geez, <laughs> but there's so much going on right there echoing. It's like, is this coming from the city? Is this coming from this, these other communities? So I'm like, all right, let me do my due diligence here. I start riding and bear in mind, nobody has called 911. It's not. So I, so I started riding through these communities. Nothing looks out of place. I'm like, okay. 30 minutes goes by or so. And the, the bottom has just dropped out at this point. And for those who are not police that may be listening to this, that just means somehow everybody decides to start committing crimes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also everybody starts calling 911 at the same time. So we have physical domestics, overdoses. Then, you know, silly things, fireworks getting called in. Um bunch of other things so when that happens we only have so many people so i start to try and just pick off check on the welfare here a little verbal domestic here i just start banging through things because i got three guys tied up on this other incident sure. you know what i mean yeah so there's this one apartment complex there is two loud parties and a barking dog complaint so i'm like perfect let me go clear these out real quick so i go over to this apartment complex i get out of my car i hear this barking dog and we get barking dog complaints all the time. They're usually unfounded. Now it's like 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock, somewhere around there. And it's like that. It's not a big dog. It's a little yappy oh. dog that's just that incessant. Just rattles in your head to just Dude, stop barking. It was please. ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta get, I got to find where this is coming from. So I see it, right? I see this little dog. It's outside one of the buildings. Barking at like the main building, the door to get in. So I walk over it. This little Shih Tzu. It's like black and white. Can't be more than 10 pounds. It's got one eye. The other eye is just gray. And it's all like hazed over. I'm like, well, this thing can't see me. And it's losing its mind now that I'm walking up to it. Now it's getting worse. Oh, boy. But it has these like tags on, right? So I'm like, okay, let me try and find out where this thing lives. So I walk up to it. I go to, you know, I'm talking to my high-pitched voice like, hey, you know. I'm kneeling down. Like it's a five-year-old. Oh, absolutely. The thing that everybody does. The thing comes within one centimeter of like snatching one of my fingers off. And I let out a little like, yo. Right? So now I'm like, okay, well, two things, right? I can't leave now because everybody knows I'm here. They are now seeing me interact with this dog. So I start going through my problem-solving things. And also in the back of my mind, just thinking how ridiculous this is. We were just at a stabbing. We got rounds getting fired off in the air. And here I am dealing with a shih tzu. The unique nature of being a police officer. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, obviously this dog lives in this building. Let me just open the door and maybe it'll go to its apartment, right? The little the door. Sure. So I open it up. It doesn't budge. This whole time it's just doing that yapping, mm. incessant barking. But then it stops and I hear more barking. So I can see through this building, this apartment building, right? There's another dog on the other side doing the same thing. It's about a quarter of the size of this dog. It's just a little chihuahua. I'm not kidding. It was like one of those teacup, three-pound little things. So I'm like, all right, I guess these two are friends. They're lost. I, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he's telling his buddy let him in. That's yeah. What he's, doing. he's trying to give him orders. <laughs> so I walk over to that one, or I walk through the building. I get within 10 feet of this chihuahua, and it just takes off. It's like, boom, gone into the darkness. I'm like, okay. I go back. to. I've been here for 20 minutes now dealing with this. 
dispatchers have checked in with me, that's be nice. like, "Hey, you okay?" I'm like, "I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to deal with this." That's good. <laughs> so, I go back out to this other Shih Tzu. Same thing. He just starts losing his mind. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna wake up every single person in this entire building until I find out whose dogs these belong to. Because now it's two thirty in the morning. It's really cold out. I can't leave. First door I knock on, right? This Hispanic woman opens the door. I can't put this any other way. She's wearing a latex blue, basically a stripper outfit, like a shiny blue latex outfit. And I think to myself, oh, yeah, well, of course that's what you're wearing. Of course. What else could you possibly be wearing on New Year's at, on New Year's at 2.30 in the morning? And all I'm thinking is don't break eye contact with her. Just don't make this any more weird than it already is. So... <laughs> she and she knows what she's wearing you know what i mean so she looks at me i'm like ma'am are these your dogs out here she says no she goes back inside so this guy peeks his head out he says hey those dogs belong to g17 or whatever apartment it was right so i'm like okay so i go knock on the door i hear some rustling behind the door there's a guy on the other side and he's just like hello i'm like hey man it's county police out here i'm just trying to see if these are your dogs so he undoes the deadbolt, sticks his head out. I'm like, hey, dude, are these, are these your dogs out here? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, to put it nicely, like he was inebriated. He's using the frame of the door to hold himself up. Like he's nice. He probably just woke up as well. So I said, hey, okay, well, can you come get your dogs, please? He's like, yeah, no problem. Just give me a minute. Okay. So he goes back in. I hear the deadbolt go over. I'm waiting out there for like three, four minutes. Nothing. I knock on the door again. Same. It's like deja vu now. Hear some rustling. Hear a guy's voice. He's like, hello. I'm like, uh, hey, man, it's me. <laughs> so he opens the door. Could have been anybody. I didn't give like, opens the door. I'm like, dude, your dogs. Go get your dogs. So he stumbles down the steps, goes over to the Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu stops barking. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm assuming this is this guy's dog. So he grabs him, picks him up. Takes him back in. I'm like, hey, you got this other dog over here too, you know? He's like, yep, no problem, man. I'll be right back. Close the door, deadbolt. Another three or four minutes goes by. Now I'm starting to get a little aggravated. I'm like, dude, because there's other things happening on the radio. Like, there's, And I'm just trying to get out of here. <laughs> I can only imagine. I do not need to spend my time here. No, but I'm in it. I'm here. I got to deal with it. <laughs> so again, three, four minutes, I knock on the door again. I, I, I start pounding on the door. Same thing. Hear a guy's voice. He's like, hello. I'm like, dude, get out here. So he comes out. He's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, your dog is over there. Please go get your dog. So he goes over, gets his dog. And then I leave. And I'm walking away. And I just recapped the last like three hours of my patrol shift. I'm like, this is what it means to be a patrol officer. <laughs> Honestly. Like people try and explain what it means to be a police officer and patrol. And trust me, I've worked... You know, I was Maryland State Police, Wildwood. I've been here for a while. And when people ask, you know, oh, what's it like? That whole story, that that that's what it's like. Yep. Are some days worse than others? Sure. Are we dealing with death investigations and physical domestics and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, but you go from one extreme to the other. You go from a stabbing, people cranking rifle rounds off, to being pet detective. I mean, it's not like you see on TV. No, no, John, it's not. 
know what I'm thinking. So it hasn't changed That's at why all. I joined. I thought I was going to be in a, a TV episode. Jeez. Let's talk about that. So when did you join? Uh, let's see. February of 2006 was my academy. So okay. I had just gotten out of the military in 2005. I was going to ask, what did you do before that? So the military? Military police for six years. Wow. So how old were you when you started the academy? 30. Wow, really? Yes. I did not know that. Yep. Hmm. And what? so what was the decision process for leaving the military and coming to law enforcement? Uh, I had just gotten done with our deployment uh, to Afghanistan, came back, uh, and was at that point of either re-enlisting or getting out. I had just been stop-lost, which meant they held me over one more year of my contract mm. uh, for the deployment, which was no big deal. Um, my wife and I, we just had our daughter, so it was a crucial decision. And knowing the deployment rate at that time, um, I just said, you know, I think it might be in our best interest for me to get out because I don't want to miss my daughter growing up, you know, with the military. Not that it's a bad thing, but I just... I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be one of those guys that struggled on deployments from missing their children or, you know, and all that stuff. So I decided to get out and growing up in South Jersey, um, you know, I, I tried to pick an apartment that was close enough, but far enough away where nobody would just pop in. <laughs> so, I, didn't, I didn't know you grew up in South Jersey either. Where in South Jersey? Uh, right outside of Atlantic City, Galloway, New Have Jersey. we talked about this before? We may have. We may have. Because I grew up in Mulca Hill area. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Where did you go to high school? Uh, it's called Apsagami High yeah, School. Apsigami. Yeah, Apsagami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, obviously, your wife was on board with that decision. Yeah, she was more. Yeah, she was in the military. She she did for five years as well. Um, and then when she got pregnant, she you know her time ran out. So she's she understood like she knew uh, mentally, physically what it took to either stay in the military or you know get out and have shift work, and because she did it. So uh, I, I was lucky uh, to have sure. a wife that understood. So. I just had this conversation with another guy I work with, but, and it, it may be different now, and I don't know if you know this or not, but when you were in the military and you guys would do your deployments and stuff, did they have things in place like stress management stuff, or did they teach you guys how to deal with things, or was it just kind of like, hey, here's your mission, go do it, and then we'll come back and just do it all again? Was that kind of more of the... No, it was more after that you would have the, uh, the support. Oh, okay. Like going into it, they didn't really... Uh, it wasn't really stressed. Um, you never really talked about it that, you know, if you're having trouble dealing with this, then, okay, maybe you can go talk to somebody, but not like today where right. it, even with um, overall um, the the aspect of the mental health check, like your self-check on a daily basis is, you know, at the forefront of the military. It's it, it's mm. kind of it's kind of crazy how that's sort of taken over as compared to uh, just when you come back from deployments because, uh, you know, everybody that, that saw these soldiers coming back from the wars, they, you know, they just started seeing decline in, in, Absolutely. in the mental aspect of it. And it's, you know, it, it's a shame. And, but the, the, the direction they went and what they do now is, it's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, sometimes you make mistakes and you yeah. just redo it and, well, that's good. They're at least doing things oh, that way yeah. now. So when you came on, right, obviously you worked the road. Mm -hmm. um, how long were you on patrol? Uh, nine, ten years. And then you went into traffic services? Yeah, I, I have always ha had the mindset, I need to learn the job first before I went somewhere else. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, I, I was never comfortable as a patrol officer because I didn't, you know, I was never very good in drug investigations like some people are. Um, you know, so it, it's, I said, you know what, I need to be a well-rounded officer, then figure out the path in which I'm going. So I chose traffic because I just loved crashes for some reason. I just liked it. It's an odd thing. Yeah, it's it an is. odd thing to like. It is because <laughs> it's me against the car because, you know, God forbid somebody were to, you know, to die in that. I have to figure out what happened and mm -hmm. there's nobody else around. It's a true investigation. It is. So that's why I guess I just sort of gravitated because it's me against them. You know, that's the way I looked at it. No, I like that. That's you know? that's very cool. And how long were you there? Uh, four years. Four years. Thank you. Somewhere there. And you're also part of the motor unit? Uh, I was. You were? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, my responsibilities here, yeah. you know, I just don't allow me to do it. So what happened? What did it take for you to make the decision to put yourself in the in the mix for the president position uh again anybody that does this you have to be involved in general right the fop uh i got involved when i first started i i just you know i wasn't active like i am now uh but just being involved with you know what do our union representatives do what do they do for us um and then some time goes by, and then I got more involved. And then our former president, Mike Zelensky, uh, was thinking about taking over. He had asked me if I was wanted to be treasurer. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, yeah, I got absolutely. I would love to, you know, take that next step within the organization, get more involved. Um, home life allowed it, which was, you know, which was huge. My kids were a little bit older, so uh, I had that, that time to do it. And so that's what I did. I became the treasurer, uh, learned how the money worked for the organization and then you know just told him look when it's time for you to go i want to be groomed for this position that's i, I want to take that next step mm -hmm. uh, so that's what we did we he sort of knew it everybody else sort of knew it the way i was getting involved in what i was doing and uh and and sort of leading it and then you know luckily for him he found a, a position elsewhere right. and was able to retire and then you know i got voted in yeah, luckily for you, you had that mentorship. Yes. That's something I've always stressed. I mean, just, man, it's such a hard road. You can do it, right? You can do it on your own. You, good luck to you. But if you have somebody who's, you know, if you, if you see where you want to go, you should probably talk to somebody who's in that position. Absolutely. You know, I don't, like I said, you could do it. There's other ways to do it. But that was probably like the day you were elected and, and started. I mean, it was probably, I'm not, I'm not going to say it wasn't stressful, but. My head was spinning like I was back in the academy. Really? No lie. As much as I knew about the organization and the county and the way things work, now having that all on me, it, my head was spinning. Uh, and again, it, slow down, take a deep breath, one thing at a time. Yep. That's all you can control is one thing at a time. And I had to tell myself that repeatedly because – you know, we go into contract negotiations and then there's grievances and then there's other issues that on a daily basis you want to solve for, you know, your members. And if I wasn't living up to the ex their expectations, I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. And I, my wife was just kind of like, you just stop, just yeah. stop and breathe. Now, you did know? that, did you ever make a transition and start delegating? Like, were you trying to yes. do everything yourself and then you just... I'm assuming you started delegating so, things. Funny you say that because Mike Zelinsky was Mr. Do It All himself. Mm. 
That's just his nature. It wasn't anything against anybody else on the board. Uh, but seeing him do that, I knew coming in, I can't do that. I don't want to do that because that's way too much. Luckily, we have great people around us in the organization. So right. when I came on, uh, one of the things we had to do was saying, all right, you know, this the, the delegation of grievances got to go to a, a true grievance person. So Joe Weicker gets the vice presidency. He takes over, and he runs that now. He Like, I don't have anything to do with that, which is fantastic. Great. Yep. Our treasurer handles everything. I just ask for the updates. Don't have to worry about the money. Good to go. We have checks and balances within our organization. Uh, the health and wellness aspect, we have members now stepping up and doing that. So uh, it's slowly falling into a true organization where, you know, you sit back and go, man, I got all the right people in the right places. And I just ask, okay, where are we in this? Where are we Absolutely. in that? Right? That's mm-hmm. So it took a little bit, but uh, again, you learn from those before you, which mm-hmm. we did. And, and I think we're at a good spot right now and we're still moving forward. So yeah. it's nice. That's great. I mean, do you see yourself, do you consider this position like a leadership position? Oh, most definitely. Because everything you're saying is, you read any leadership book, it's basically, you can't do it all. Correct. You need to, at some point, have enough trust. You know, it's funny. I just had a conversation with somebody and I was just talking about how the nights where I'm at work, right, and I really don't do that much, I like relish in those because of, you know the machine is running itself right i've i've tried to put people in certain positions yep. to where they are so confident in their abilities that you know they make things happen amongst themselves if they really need me they call me and we work it out and it's all good but that's what you're doing right you you have put people in positions you don't need to be the expert on everything do you, do you have to have a general understanding sure but you're right i think that's where p- people just get overwhelmed because they try and do everything and that's I, I 100% agree. Yeah, you got to have trust. Comes down to trust, which is and, hard for us ooh, man. as police officers, right? Because we don't trust a whole lot of people. No. Why would we? Everybody lies to us. I mean, the 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 trust thing is just. Mm. Yeah, right. if you feed somebody lies and just you know you deal with people who lie perpetually on a daily basis, I mean, I I'm very skeptical of people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's very hard for me. I don't. If I meet you for the first time, I mean, I try and do the clean slate thing. Like, hey, I don't know anything about you. I'm going to trust you. But really in the back of my head, I'm like, all right. Another downfall is I know how hard I work and how much I put into things. Do I have that bias in me that if you don't do the same, then why why are you doing this? Why? Absolutely. Like, you, you have to have the same motivation and drive I should. At least that's what I tell myself. And then I'm like, all right, they're different. They work differently. As long as the job gets completed. And it's done the right way. Why do you care? <laughs> and I had to tell myself that all the time. Stop. The exact same thing happened. New, newly promoted sergeant. Within the first month, I was getting frustrated just because I wanted everybody to have the same drive and motivation that I did. And if things weren't getting done, I'm just like, hey, what? what is your malfunction? Right. Like, what's going on here? And then a mentor of mine kind of was like, hey, listen, you know, it's your job to develop people. Everybody has different starting phases and, you know, not everybody's going to have that same drive and motivation. Some people are going to be more motivated than you are and have the drive and all. And yeah, it sounds like you and I have had similar, um, similar paths in like the, the leadership realm for sure. What are some uh, other than like right now, I mean, it sounds like you guys have things 
rolling really nicely. What are some of the unique stressors that people may not realize your position holds? The day-to-day issues that arise with officers. Uh, If you work opposite shifts with people, you may not know what goes on on that side of the world because you never see them, right? You never interact with them. So the day-to-day things that come up that, again, it's my job to get them resolved, no matter how small or how large it is, uh, get them done, get an answer for the individual and get it done quickly, in my opinion. And if I do that, it shows them how hard I'm working for them. So, and it's, I, I've had officers say, wow, that was, you got back to me quicker than I thought. And I said, well, yeah, that's what we do, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to leave you hanging out there. Uh, and that's my goal is I want them to trust the leadership. So if they have an issue, there is no hesitation in them coming to any one of us and saying, hey, listen, I have a problem. Like, so that's the, that, that we're trying to break down that wall of union and, you know, company and all that, all those, you know, phrases and, and words that have placed that negative stigma on us uh, that, you know, what does the union really do for you? Well, we're trying to show you what we do and we're right. doing it on a daily basis. And, and people don't realize like, man, it, this guy is, you know, on a day-to-day operation, he's getting this stuff done. And I take phone calls at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night from the night shift guys, because that's when they're working. That's when they're working. Right. It, it, it they feel bad that they call me, but at the same time, I go, I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I tell them, that. call me. Right. Right. If you need something at that time, call me. That's that's what we're going to do for you. Absolutely. And again, it shows to them that like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing for you guys. And I think so far, I don't think we've had uh, that many complaints, <laughs> you know, so. It's funny because you and I, how long ago did we talk? We, you and I just sat down really for the first time ever, two weeks ago, I guess, somewhere around there. Somewhere, yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons that I, I brought you on as a first guest is because it's unusual for me to kind of be a little down the dumps. And I don't know if you know this. I mean, you gave me a little spark because you nice. kind of opened my eyes to a different avenue for things that I was trying to do. So, yeah, we're getting into leadership and stress management and all that kind of stuff. But it was a no-brainer for me. I'm like, boom, John Yard. John, John Yard's the reason that, you know this podcast is now up and running for me in two weeks because I was like, Oh, I I got this. Like this is now what we're going to do. But one of the things that you and I talked about was communication. Again, something you just, you just brought up and that is so important. And I do this with the, the men and women that I work with. Even if I don't know the answer to something, I'm very open about it. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to find out for you though. Absolutely. And I will find out within 24 hours and you're going to have an answer. If you write me an email, I'm going to respond to you. Like you're going to get a response. If you send me a text message, if you call me, like there's going to be communication. And I think that's extremely important. It sounds like you guys are mastering that. I mean, it sounds like that's building respect for the people that you're working with and and trying to help out. We're getting there. And I think you said it, the key in that is you tell your people, I'll have you an answer within 24 hours. How many times have you heard that phrase? I don't know the answer, but I'll get back to you. And it's been over a week mm-hmm. or two weeks. Yep. Right? And then you got to follow up and say, hey, listen, did you forget about me? Mm-hmm. And they ultimately have. Uh, that was one of the things we did not want to happen is somebody reaches out to one of us if we don't know the answer. And again, fortunate enough to have a lot of experience in the organization uh, with the newly state president, Jamie Leonard, uh, the old president, Fred Calhoun, uh, all the old board members where 
there's no reason why I can't have an answer to you within 24 hours or heck, even an hour based on who uh, I can reach out to. So uh, that's to me is the driving point when it comes to communication is getting those people the answers in a timely manner because there's a reason they're waiting on that answer. What if they're waiting to do something and now you're just leaving them hanging, right? Yes. Yeah. It's you putting know. yourself in their in their shoes for a minute, but like there's a reason they're asking for this. It's important Correct. to them. It's not that it may not be the number one priority on your list, but and I, and I didn't say that by mistake my by mistake like the 24 hour thing. That's something I started doing a couple years ago was putting time frames on things. Not just with getting back to people, but just life in general. Like I will have this done in 12 days. You know what I mean? Or just put a sure. stringent time frame on it and I have to meet that deadline. Because otherwise you just it gets lost in the sauce it and does. you just forget about it. And I've I've done that before where I have said, Hey, I'll get back to you and then I don't because I really forget. Like I've done that before. I'm like, oh, because I've had that happen to me. And that's it's, a crappy yeah, feeling. It is. I'm it's like, very, man, that's a very bad feeling. Now I gotta reach back out to this person. Now I feel like I'm pestering them. <laughs> you know? Hey, I forgot to get back to you. I know you asked me something last week. Yes. And you're just like, ah, oh, you dropped the ball. And I Whoops. don't you know, you're only as good as your word. Yeah. And you know, I learned that a long time ago from my dad. And, mm-hmm. you know, so he's like, you know, don't be that guy that cannot be reliable. Man, that's important. You don't know? be that guy. That's yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Okay, so your time as president, right? What's something that you're right now like most proud of that you guys have brought to the table that maybe wasn't there before or or something along those lines? Uh, most proud of this far or thus far? Um, I, I got to say it's just the way we operate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, you know, the whole contract thing and it, that, that is a small piece of what we do. Um, I think standing up for the men and women, um, when you need to fighting for, you know, certain conditions within the contract or so be it, but regardless of how you're going to look, if it's done in the right way and you put on that good fight and you're fighting for your members, then they start to feel a sense of pride of the organization. And I think we've done that from the get go. Um, and it's unfortunate it's at, you know, the expense of the County leadership but uh, in my opinion, they brought it upon themselves. So right. um, if you're going to do things wrong and you're, you're, you're going to go down that path, then I'm going to call you out on it. Just like I hope somebody would call me out if I was doing something wrong. Um, so I, I have to say that would, that would be the most proud um, that we are right now. And just broadening um, our organization. You know, before, like when you first came on and the same thing with me is we didn't have the health and wellness. We didn't have um, sort of this, I don't I want to say diverse organization. It was, you just worry about your contract, get more money and then be done. Right. right now we have, you know, a brand new facility. We're investing in the organization. We're broadening. We're, you know, our contacts are, are, are through the roof. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of. Uh, community outreach, uh, you know, with, with what we do with the, the food. So uh, I think, uh, I mean, together, it's I think it's been a great two years, two and a half years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest, when I first came on, and I even said this to you, I was like, man, I feel bad. Like, I haven't asked FOP for or been involved <laughs> at all in the last, like, nine years. And I I knew this. So I, obviously, you guys have been making leaps and bounds over the last few years. But, like, when I first came on, I just thought the union was just contract stuff. And, right. And that was it. But now – 
you guys are investing in personnel. You guys are investing in the health and wellness. You're like really going out there. I mean, it's it's so far beyond the contract. I don't. I wouldn't put a percentage on it, but the investment in personnel is leaps and bounds above where it used to be. Right. So let's steer direction there, right? So FOP is doing a ton of stuff with stress management, health and wellness. You guys have your own Instagram pa- Instagram page now with Delaware. I forget the handle of it. I'll, I'll put a link in the description here, but it's like Lodge 5 Wellness, I think, or yeah, something. But it's... I'll get the link out to everybody. Talk to me about what are some things now that FOP is offering as far as health and wellness and stress management. So Matt DiSabatino and Alexander Knorr, Alexandra Knorr, uh, are, are... You know Knorr and I used to work together down in North Wildwood? Actually, she worked in, yeah, she worked in North Wildwood. <laughs> I worked in Wildwood. Same thing with Levy. Levy okay. worked in North Wildwood. Levy and I went to the academy down there in Cape May County. Uh, we were all there for like two years, I think, separated. And then I, you know, I went wow. to Maryland State Police. Right. I came here to the county police. And I remember showing up one day and seeing Levy and Nora. I'm like, oh my God. hey, it's like a reunion. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, uh, anyway, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, so she and Matt DiSabatino are the, we'll call them the, the directors of our health and wellness. So everybody thinks health and wellness is just the, the mental aspect of being a police officer, uh, but we feel it goes way beyond that financially. Yeah, you got to have, you know, good sense about, you know, investing, understanding your money, um, getting you in contact with people that aren't going to bamboozle you when it comes to buying a home. Um, if that's where you're, you're headed as a young officer, obviously, you know, we have the fitness aspect of it, uh, with the, the numerous people within the organization that are, are healthy and health conscious and, right. and, and certified. And then obviously the, um, just the, the stress relief, you know, with, uh, a contact from a retiree whose wife is, uh, a yoga instructor and, and certified in, in all these various techniques, uh, that she now comes into, uh, our facility and puts on these, um, you know, I, and uh, I apologize for not knowing the terminology for it, but on basically how to breathe and how to mm-hmm. calm yourself down after, you know, a, a high stress sort of situation or That's even Jen, right? Jen Boylow. Jen Boylow. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm going to reach out to her after this and have her on because she is fantastic. She just seems, she's, I've never met her. Uh, uh, I know her husband obviously, but yeah, she's like putting great information out yes. there. I just recently started getting into the world of meditation and breathing. I, I didn't know you had to think about breathing. Crazy, but right? It's, yeah. I wasn't doing it right for the last 31 years. So Bucky Sayers, yep. he goes to one of the classes and obviously old school officer. Like, Absolutely. I mean, right? So I see him at our motor pool uh, and he's talking about it. And I said, well, what did you think? He goes, I got to be honest with you. I went in thinking this is going to be, you know, some sort of sham. And he goes, I actually got something out of it. Mm -hmm. He goes, and I used it the other night on shift after an incident where tensions were high. And I sat in my car and I did what she said. And it brought me right back down. And I'm I'm coming from him. Coming from him. Now there's some validity to it, right? So now I'm going, you are old school sort of, you know, this is never going to work. Now you're telling me it worked. That's awesome to hear, Bucky. Thank you very much. So now it's. We got to get it out to the members. You got to get they, they got to buy in. Mm-hmm. And if there's no buy in, it's tougher. But I think as we keep pushing, putting it out, absolutely, we'll get more and more invested. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I just 
I was talking with somebody about this the other day. So my whole educational career recently has been around stress management, right? So I've read the literature, like I'm very aware of all the benefits of meditation. I don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that buy-in, there's something going on there. I don't know if it's the word meditation. I think some people think it's some hippy dippy stuff. I think that's what I it is. I think that's what you it get is. You a picture right in your brain as soon as you hear meditation of some guy just out there in the woods, <laughs> yeah. you know, just kind of. Which is great. You should get out in nature. Right. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you know, but the, the way they're doing it, or the way that's probably popping into your mind is not what no. actually goes on. No. I put something out to the men and women involved in our mentor program. And I was just talking about meditation and it kind of clicked with me. So when I work out, right, I don't, sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I don't, long runs. But if I work out and don't listen to music, I think that's meditation. Like I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just letting my mind go do its thing. So I got to talk to Jen about that. I don't know if that technically counts as meditation or not. (laughs) I think running it definitely does. I think you kind of just zone out and just let your brain kind of, yeah. decompress and just feel your body taking a beating as you run. I don't know. I, I don't know. I get it. I count my steps. I'm sure that's a, another weird part of me, but, um, <laughs> do you really? I do. Yeah. You count your steps when you run. Yeah. Almost like a cadence. But, um, so when I was doing the getting ready for the Ironman stuff, right. I got really involved in the, like, uh, I don't know my steps per minute, right. When I'm running and strokes per minute, when I'm swimming and the, cadence on the bike like there's all these numbers that you should be hitting right somewhere around there my steps per minute when i'm running is somewhere around like 180 185 a lot of people are a little lower or in the 150s people who are not runners usually have like slower turnover hmm. i don't know i, I don't want to get into the whole science behind it or whatever but yeah <laughs> so my steps are like 180 185 right well i, I would try and keep that um I, I couldn't think of any other way to do it other than just count and it kind of got me into this like weird zone where I would just count every minute or whatever. Uh, but it worked. So I have no intention on going back to the Ironman training, but oh, it was, uh, it. oh, you know, it was very good for me too, was swimming. Just staring down like the black line on the pool and just, cause you can't listen to music. Right. I'm sure they make earphones or whatever that are waterproof. Right. Swimming was a big meditative one. You just get lost and you just count your strokes and you go. I don't know if you, how listen, much of a swimmer you are. The but. mental aspect of that sort of training, obviously being in the military, we did a lot more, you know, longer ruck marches, longer runs. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you can really get through it is your brain has to go to a place oh, yeah. that you're almost outside yourself, right? I mean, it's yep. I can remember being on a 12-mile a ruck march with a 55-pound bag on my shoulders and mm-hmm. I'm just beat down. And I got four more miles left. Yeah. And you got to find that in your brain just to yeah. get out and just, you start doing whatever. I wasn't counting steps. No, yeah. But I started singing songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. It you, works. Like you have to do something. And mm-hmm. it just, I don't, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So I can see. When I did Ironman Maryland, anyone not familiar with Ironman, right? It's 2.4 miles swim, 112 miles on the bike, and then a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. For whatever reason, this the portion of the run, some of it was on this like cobblestone road. That's not a great surface to run on by any means. And it was like laps. It was like four laps around this area or whatever. And I remember around, around like mile 15, 16, like my feet were hurt. I mean, I was in pain. 
and I had a split second where like I started doing the whole pity party thing, feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> and then like my brain was saying like, Hey, your feet hurt. I'm like, yeah, no, no shit. My feet hurt. Like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to stop <laughs> or am I going to think about something else? Like, can we just move on, please? You start thinking about it. You start to slow down. Don't you? Oh, right. Every time. Yeah. It's, it's the power of the brain. I can't wait, man. I'm really excited because at some point I'm going to reach out to Jen and, and get her on here. I think it'll be a very enlightening episode for me. Oh, I guarantee else. I mean, Absolutely. What do you do for stress management these days? Because you're in a stressful position. Absolutely. You want the honest answer? Honest answer. I I also coach football. Okay. So this is the first year I was I was hired by Middletown as a uh, like a freshman coach awesome. uh, and assistant and all that stuff. So uh, I've always coached my son's uh, youth teams, and this was his last year for youth. Uh, so now I'm able to now have the high school aspect of it, but I engulf myself in the X's and O's of football, and that's my decompression. Wow. Interesting. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. So my dad's um, – he's – popular coach over in South Jersey. Like he's an interesting guy. He kind of has gone from school to school. He'll go to a school for like three or four years and they have great success and he moves on and goes to the next school. Um, He took over a baseball program, you know, where I went to high school, they won a state championship, move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like, but he was very similar. He loved basketball, more of his thing with the X's and O's, but he loves just sitting down and drawing things up, and, and I think uh, it's funny to say, I, I guess that's kind of his decompression time, too. What about it is decompressing for you? You just get lost in it, or? Well, not only do I get lost, but it has nothing to do with the job. Oh, okay. So it's something completely different, right? and it and everything with the job just goes away. And and again, it's I am nowhere as close to even being a you know high school head coach or anything of that nature. Um being a youth coach, you still have buy-in from your players and, and you know, young kids that's, that you're trying to teach the game. Right. Um, but for me to move on and, and work in the high school world, I had to learn more, and I still have to learn more. So I am constantly learning, and I think that's maybe that's that's the true nexus is, you know, you're, you're learning, which is, which is great because you're not believing that you know it all. So I sit there and on my whiteboard in my office and I just draw plays on there uh, and I just look and, and look at coverages. And, and again, it's, it's nothing crazy, but to me, it's just a, it's a way to end 15 minutes of looking at a play sure. and where would defenders be? And then I go back to work and, yeah. then I, and I go back and I do another play, maybe a, two hours later, whatever yep. it is. But it's, it, it's kind of weird. My, my kids think I'm crazy. Nah. You know, my, my son is just like, I'm glad you're not my coach anymore. <laughs> you're neurotic and you yell all the time. And uh, how, how old are you now? I am 46, 46. Okay. There's this interesting thing. And I've heard a lot of motivational speakers talk about it and all this kind of stuff, but you really start to go downhill when you stop learning. Right. I, at some point in time, once people get through high school and college, they think that their learning careers over right and yeah. and i don't i don't i just don't really understand that i mean you should always be striving to learn new things i don't care if it's learning a new instrument or going to back to school or, or whatever the case may so be I did but this past weekend i'm going back you are we I talked am. about that yes that's awesome i finally got it all done and i start the 18th dude that makes me happy congratulations so, man that's you. great yeah uh all online all online do you know how long the classes are uh two the what two eight week sessions yeah. for four classes so 16 weeks 
and then uh, that'll start my journey. Wow. But I think, and again, education. Yes. So good for you. You know, we'll get that going, and and I got. I'm a firm believer. It's because of football. Because I'm having so much fun learning. Mm-hmm. You know, the the more in depth stuff that I'm like, you know what? Now I'm going to take that step to go get my master's. Yeah. And that. we talked about it. you're going to like the masters because, like I said, there's a big distinction between undergrad and grad. Because I think once you get involved in this graduate work, it's it's creative thinking. It's not like Good. memorize these facts. It's here's a problem. How can you work with other people to figure out? I think you're going to. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. So I'm excited. So you know, I, I'm a firm believer in it. Don't ever stop learning, regardless of what it no. is. And you said that. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and I tell my kids focus on something new. My daughter does that. She'll pick up an instrument and teach herself. She'll get online. She'll get on YouTube, learn how to play the piano. She'll yeah. start playing and that's how you she'll do come it. down like, you know, at the end of the weekend, hey, this is what I learned. And she'll play and I'm like, my God, that's amazing. That's awesome. And then there's my son. Well, I learned how to do this on my video game. I'm like, do a little, job, bit, buddy. A little bit different. A little bit different. <laughs> You're not making any money. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help towards college, but yeah. she might be able to get something. I like the effort. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's, it's okay. <laughs> dude, I did the same thing with the guitar. Like, that was a couple of years ago. YouTube. Yeah. You know how I started she this podcast? Oh. YouTube. If I can't figure something out with school, like, I have to, uh, I'm trying to reteach myself statistics. YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. It's crazy. It's an amazing time to be alive. So she's uh, she's she's played the trumpet for God knows how many years, and she just wanted to pick up different instruments. And has I'm she like, tried guitar? Uh, she has a guitar. Don't know if she's done anything with it yet. Uh, I would certainly say she will because that's her personality. Sure. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I tell her, whatever you want in music, science, whatever. You let me know. Like that, if I can expand that part of you, by all means. That's awesome. You know, that's cool that she has that. Just kind of natural. She like, gets yeah. that from her mom. That's uh, not from. Not, I was yeah. not a musical yeah. guy. Her mom played guitar, so I think she gets that from. Right. You know, unfortunately, my son got my video game gene. Which hey, whatever, <laughs> man. Whatever works. Yeah. What's um anything on the horizon for the FOP that, whether it be health and wellness or stress management, um, that you want to touch on or anything. Well, yeah, we had a health and wellness uh, sort of conference planned out, and unfortunately, COVID took it away. Uh, But I think it's still, I don't want to say in the works or on hold, but it's still going to happen. So we're going to have speakers come in and and touch on various topics, Uh, again, just to give, you know, not just our members, but it's open to, you know, other FOP members in the state, first responders, paramedics, whoever wants to attend, you know, all these different techniques and skills that are only going to make you better yep. and, and help. So uh, talking with Matt, we're still going to try to do, who knows what's, you know, what the restrictions, if they're going to be lifted, who knows, but we still plan on putting that out. We still have Jen doing her, um, her classes. This last one was virtual, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the, the restrictions can't have more than 10 people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we did hers via Zoom. Uh, so we're going to continue to do that. We had uh, a finance, um, uh, Chris Von Lindenberg, he was on uh, the last FOP meeting, gave just a like a quick 10, 15-minute sort of talk on uh, things that our members should be looking at financially right. with the future. So things like that that we can bring to the membership. It's going to be – and now it's going to be even getting – it's going to get even better. Um, they've gone to some conferences – uh, they're always involved in that. I think they're going to another one coming up this year, if I'm not mistaken. So 
we're pushing that uh, even more. And now with the new board on the state level, uh, Harold Bozeman, who's from the city of Wilmington, he is highly involved in the health and wellness uh, aspect of it. So we're hoping that now with that, we can link with the state and now make it grow even more. So right. it'll be it'll be interesting to see. That's great. You guys are hitting on that financial stuff. I mean, I'm no financial expert by any means, but uh, there is a girl that I work with and she gives me a little tidbits every once in a while. And I try and put that out to people because I don't know how you could possibly have your head about you if your finances aren't together. Well, you know I mean? it's you, funny. I, you say that, and I go back. I was probably the same think uh, thought process. I get in this position, or even as treasurer, and we start talking to younger officers. You'd be surprised at how many, because they still live at home, do not look at their paycheck. No. Do not look at their bank accounts. And they, the money just sits there because mm-hmm. they're really not paying out anything except for, you know, whatever their, you know, everyday stuff is and it I, I i was sort of blown away how these young people are not you know sort of being directed on you know whether or not mom and dad or, or whoever is telling them you need to invest or you know start you know your deferred comp or yeah. start your you know the uh uh the, the not the 401k what's the other one roth ira roth ira do they get anything in the academy our guys so we have the same finance people go in and Mike started this years ago. Okay. He would have these individuals come to the academy and talk. But I mean, think about it, the academy. They probably do that week one. Like then, it, was, <laughs> it was bad. So you're like, oh, God, I just you know, <laughs> I got I got to do these reports or whatever the case is, and nothing really came of it. That was one of the things we. All right, now we want to make it, you know, sort of a, a every monthly little tidbit. Uh, you know, doesn't matter what it is. Ten minutes of information. Where now, it, how many of them need a living will? How many of them don't have it? So we yep. have a guy, Kevin Baird, who was part of our group, who has offered to do living wills for free for police officers as his way of saying thank you for what we do. Right. I mean. That's huge. That's gigantic. Mm-hmm. So, again, teaching a 21-year-old to look at those things and to understand it where he's like, I'm 21. I'm good. Right. And I'm golden. I'm invincible. Health insurance. What do I need health insurance <laughs> for? Right? So. It's, and again, I go back to when, you know, I was younger. I wish I had started the Roth IRA sooner. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until I joined the military, but still, uh, if I was 20 years old and I started a Roth IRA and I just put money, and not to mention a deferred comp, I don't think our guys and girls understand the the If you start young and you put 5% of each of your paychecks in that thing (laughs) for 20 years. you imagine? You just have a... Exorbitant amount of money. It's just, I mean, it's insane how the money will work for you. Mm-hmm. And but if you wait five years, it's not. I know on the same level. I'm with you. So we're that's we're trying to get that. You know, we're yeah. trying to we're trying to get that going. So as they come in and and it's and it's never too late to save. So no, absolutely. Know. What do you want people to take away from this? Our entire little discussion here. The fact that you can. You're never too old, I don't want to say to learn new things, but to to sort of appreciate the things that you were told when you were younger. Mm. You know, I, I the older I'm getting, I, I just hear the those things being said by my dad. <laughs> like, um, like uh, you know, and I don't want to come through the same thing. You're, you're absolutely, um, and I say them to my kids. And, and again, a lot of parents say the same thing. Man, I, I, I sound like my dad, or, mm-hmm. but they're right. And it's because they've been through it. So it's 
And that's one thing I love having conversations with, with just people is, man, when we were younger, we were thinking this way, but now that we're older, our parents were right. Yep. Like they were right. So the advice that they were given is correct. So let's, let's try to do the same thing for our kids. Um, and even with our, you know, the, the guys and girls here is if I can, if I can do that, then, then I'm doing well, but, um, you got to talk about it. It's, I think in our profession, a lot of people don't like to talk about it because, oh, they're police officers, mm-hmm. right? They're not supposed to have financial problems. No. They're not supposed to have problems at home. They're not supposed to have problems with their own heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I just gave a talk to the academy. Uh, I was kind of on the stress management stuff. And I say, hey, look, I know you guys all think that you're special because you're basically cops now. I mean, they graduate, or I don't think they've graduated yet. They're, 14th, did they graduate? 14th of 14th. this month. I was like, don't, you're all humans. Okay, like we all, yeah, we all process stress the same way. Don't think that you're, you know, we kind of just had a conversation about it. Like, you know, the human body has these processes for going through stress and they're going to be put in situations where they experience traumatic events pretty much at least once during their tour, but could be several times that day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, the average person experiences trauma three to five times in their life. You know what I mean? These guys are going out experiencing this trauma, so... Yeah, we're all just humans, you know? Yeah, that was great what you just said, though. Like, you should probably listen to the advice that people that have been through some things give you. 100%. Yeah. Because what does it say about our job where, uh, you know, you handle a death investigation and it's supposed to be no big deal, right? You know, that's that's yep. the mentality you're supposed to have as a first responder. I mean, you know, look at the paramedics, the, you know, the onslaught of things that they see on a daily basis and mm-hmm. trauma that they see with with people going through those things. Yep. And just like us, they got to pick up, go to the next call when they're done. Yeah. And it's, how do you process that? Yeah, remember, you're a human. That's, uh, humans aren't supposed to see I, dead people that saying. often. That's, and again, people are like, I, I don't know how you guys and girls do it. You, we do it. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because I think we just kind of push everything down. Sure. And... You know, if you don't know how to process it and you don't know how to relieve it and you don't do those things, mm-hmm. we all know what happens. You turn to and it's other very, things. it's very hard to have conversations. Um, I just had this conversation with my mom not too long ago, how people ask, Hey, how was your day at work? It's like, okay, well, do you want the real answer? Right. Or do you want me to just kind of BS you here? Because, uh-huh. and I told a couple of funny stories earlier, like, you know, those are days like that. They're funny. They're comical. But then there's days where you go to a suicide, you know what I mean? And you, you're, you're with a family and you have to tell them that whatever you got to tell them. I mean, but yeah, the death investigations, the domestics where kids are involved, there's a clinical term, right? It's called vicarious traumatization. What that means is nothing is physically happening to you, but your brain is experiencing the trauma, right? You know? So if you go to a death investigation, nothing is physically happening to you, but maybe they're the same age as your parents. And then things start processing in your mind and, that's why I'm I'm so happy that the FOP is doing all this health and wellness stuff and putting it out there, getting Jen Boylow out there with the meditation, getting their finances in order. Like, start picking off stressors that you can control. Absolutely. Because you can't control anything when you come to work. You really can't. I mean, the calls for service, you can't control that. You control how you respond to them. But, yeah, that, that that's absolutely crucial. Anything you want to end with? No, I think... You know, if non-police are listening to this, uh, 
I, I really wish they could spend a week in our shoes, mm-hmm. you know, or in a, you know, paramedic shoes, just a week, um, just to understand that even on the slowest of slow days, it's still crazy, it, right? They're still dealing with that. It's, and, and, and by far, and I never have ever said that, you know, police are special or paramedics are special. And, you know, we, we've chosen to do this because of one reason or another. Um, but just understand that what, we deal with is a lot different than what most professions deal with. Sure. Not to say their jobs aren't tough um, or they're stressful, um, but, you know, I understand sitting in an office where you're looking at numbers all day and having to crunch things and, and make sure budgets are aligned. And that, yeah, that's very stressful. And I, that would drive me nuts. Right. But, you know, seeing a woman, you know, beat up by, you know, her husband or a boyfriend and, like you said, with the kids involved or, you know, just, you know, somebody crashing their car. That is the worst day for them that they could possibly have because now they don't have a car to get to the work, you know, get to their jobs and be able to go to work or take their kids. And they're stressed out and they're freaking out. But us being around it, we help them out. We right. figure it out. Like, and, and, it, and that's the cool part of the job is, you know, even though we, we deal with all that nonsense, um, it's all about helping people. So their worst day is not that bad. We're going to leave it at that. Very well said, John. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I, yeah, really, I appreciate it. Really I really appreciate do. It. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Again, John, thank you very much. Really great first episode. Social media, we're out there. Listen, the best way for you to get a hold of us, Instagram, Facebook, we have a, a link to our website. On the website, it has a link to YouTube. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of our sites out there. Specifically go to websites, scroll all the way to the bottom. Has all the little hyperlinks down there. It's the best way to check us out. So Spotify, Amazon, you can just listen on the website player. Subscribe. We got more episodes coming out. We've already got the next three or four guests lined up. So we're looking forward to it. And as always, everyone, if you learn something, share something. Thank you.